Good morning. Good to see y'all this morning. Thankful that you are here. I told them this morning in the earlier service, I was listening back to uh, the introduction to several of my sermons this past week as I was putting some online, and I realized that I usually sound very boring whenever I first get started, so I am so thankful that you are here. And I'm glad to be here, whether my voice says it or not, I am glad to be here every single week. I'm uh, thankful we can look at God's Word together. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you would pick it up, turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Uh, excited about seeing in Daniel chapter 9, uh, Daniel's prayer, a beautiful prayer. We're not going to go through an entire chapter. This will be one, uh, I guess, the first time in the book of Daniel that we have started chapter, not finished it on the same day. But there is a, a prayer here that takes up the majority of this chapter, and it is beautiful. And there is some rich uh, theological reflections in this prayer that I just, I didn't want us to have to, to gloss over. I didn't want to have to move too quickly through it. And so we're just going to spend, we're going to camp out on that prayer today. And, uh, and then next week we'll see God's very direct answer to the prayer. And I love this is one of those great opportunities we have in the scripture where we see somebody praying and asking for a very specific thing. And then we see God's very specific and clear answer to that prayer. So we'll see the prayer this week. We'll start looking at the answer and deciphering it next week. So in Daniel 9, the first two verses, introduction, time, place, setting, we'll look at that more next week. That'll go more along with the response that God gives to it. But I do want to point out one thing that's interesting there is that in verse 2 that Daniel uh, mentions reading the books of Jeremiah, the prophet. And so that's the same book of Jeremiah, the writings of Jeremiah that we have in our Bible today. I just think that's amazing that we see this biblical author in the Bible talking about reading the writing of another biblical author. So as we look at this prayer today, it's going to break into three major parts. You'll see it. I think it's very clear as we go through it. And the first thing that Daniel's going to do in this prayer is he's going to confess the sin of Israel. So Daniel's going to spend some time, a good bit of time, clearly uh, and at length confessing their sinfulness and how sinful they are. Then he's going to move to recognizing God's just punishment for them. So the first thing he says is, we have sinned. And then he says, and you are right for having punished us in the way that you have punished us. And then he's going to end by also praying for God's mercy. We have sinned, we deserve your punishment, but we desire your mercy. And so that's what we'll see in this prayer. So look with me in Daniel 9, beginning in verse 3. He says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying... And so here he's just going to tell us the prayer itself. This is what he prayed. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from Your commandments and rules. We have not listened to Your servant, the prophets, who spoke in Your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To You, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame." As at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. 
To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. So here we clearly see Daniel confessing their sin. Right, confessing not only their sin, but how, how sinful they are and how much shame they deserve because of their sin, right? So as we go through it in verse 5, he says, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. In verse 6, we have not listened to your servants. In verse 8, because we have sinned against you. In verse 9, for we have rebelled against him, speaking of God. Verse 10, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws. Verse 11, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Clearly, over and over, we have sinned. We have not listened. We have not followed. We have rebelled. And he says, to, to open shame, we deserve open shame. The people of Jerusalem and Judah and Israel and all the people of the land and the kings and princes and fathers, we all deserve so Daniel's not pointing fingers at the rest of Israel. He's not pointing fingers at their ancestors. He's saying, we have sinned. He says it multiple times, we. He's including himself in this group. He doesn't make excuses for their actions. He doesn't blame anyone else. He doesn't point fingers. He says, we have sinned. A clear prayer of confession. And that's point one. Daniel recognizes and confesses the sinfulness of Israel. He recognizes that they are sinful, but I love that he not only recognizes, because there are a lot of times that we recognize that we are sinful, or that we have sinned, or that we have done wrong, but he recognizes it and he confesses it. He speaks it openly to God. He doesn't hide from it. Sometimes we recognize that we are sinful and we point fingers at somebody else that made us sin, or that we want to say made us sin. Right? Or we recognize that we're sinful, but we want to downplay that it's not that big of a deal. That's not what Daniel does here. He says, we have sinned, and we deserve shame, and we are terrible, wicked, evil people. We have all sinned. He just clearly confesses it to the Lord. And then in verse 11, he continues into this next section where he's going to say, And God, you were right for having punished us. Look with me there, verse, the next verse. We'll start, we already read part of verse 11, we'll finish it. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity for under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. So he started out by saying we are sinful, and then he moves to saying, and you have done exactly what you should have done, God. We deserve punishment. We're sinful and we're wicked and we have rebelled and we have not followed the law that you've given us and so you have punished us and that is right and that is just, Father. You have done to us what you should have done 
to us. And now any of you that are parents or teachers or coaches or administrators or bosses or managers, you understand this principle well. Right? Whenever we have subordinate people under us, whether they're students or our children or our workers that are under us, we have, in most instances, rules. Right? We lay out clearly rules. These are the things that you will do. These are the things that you will not do. We lay those things out, and then we say, and these are the consequences. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, this is the consequence. If you do something that you shouldn't do... This is the consequence. And so we lay those things out. And then lastly, whenever we make it clear what's expected and those expectations are not met, even though it doesn't bring us joy, even though we don't want to, we have to bring about the discipline that was laid out beforehand. Right? Whether it's our children or somebody that's working under us, our students, we have to rightly, if we're following the letter of the law, if we're being just, then we bring about that punishment. That's what Daniel says here. He says, Lord, listen, what has been done to us is worse than what's ever been done to anybody else before. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. He says that in verse 12, the second half of the verse. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. He's saying this punishment is terrible. And you have to remember the punishment. Sometimes in our setting we can forget, what's the punishment like? Well, remember they were sent to exile. They were ripped out of their homes. Right? They come in and lay siege to the city and things were terrible. Especially the second time they go back. If you read uh, in the latter part of Leviticus and see the things that foreshadowed that would take place and you read about the terrible things that took place there. And so these people are ripped from their homes and a lot of Daniel's family have probably been killed. And the house that he used to live in has been destroyed and the temple where he used to worship God has been destroyed and the city walls have been knocked down. And he's been in exile, living in a foreign land, having to follow the regime of a, a sinful leader for 70 years now. That's what life has been like. And so Daniel looks at all of this punishment, all of these terrible, horrible things, as he calls it, calamity, several times, this calamity. Terrible, terrible things that have taken place. And he doesn't say, and God, I can't believe you've done this. He doesn't say, God, why don't you love me? If you loved me, you wouldn't have done this. No, what does he say in verse 14? He says, the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. The Lord is righteous. It's a big word. Completely, perfectly right. Has done everything the way that he should do it. And when Daniel looks at every bit of the punishment that's happened to him and his countrymen, he says, God, you are righteous for every one of these things that you've done. So the second point, point two, Daniel recognizes and confesses that this is what they deserve. So he recognizes and confesses their sin. And then he recognizes and confesses that this is what they deserve because of their sin. God is just in bringing about this terrible things to them, these terrible things to them. So if the prayer ends there, I'd point out that this is already a beautiful learning opportunity for us. This is a very clear 
prayer of confession. We can learn from Daniel's prayer of confession here. We are told to confess our sins before the Lord, and we can learn here about what it looks like to not point fingers and not point blame and not uh, be mad at other people, but to simply say, I have sinned, God. And we learn, he highlights some of the attributes of God, God uh, in his just nature, his justness and his righteousness are highlighted here. God, you are just and you are right and you have done exactly what you should have done because God always does exactly what he should do. That's why we say that righteousness is an attribute of his. Not just he was right this time, he is always right. He always does the right thing. God never does the wrong thing. He is completely righteous. So in this prayer, we've already seen this clear confession, clear highlighting of these attributes of God. But there's one other attribute that he's going to highlight and call upon. And even though we love that God is righteous, I think sometimes... We're more thankful for this last one we see. Look with me in verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel here says, God, we have no right to ask anything else of you. We have sinned and you have given us what we deserve. So we have no righteousness. We have no leg to stand on. We have no argument to make. We simply confess that these things are true. But then in verse 18, as he says that clearly, he says, For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. We have no reason to be able to ask of you anything else except for this, but because of your great mercy. Daniel knows that God is a merciful God. He says we're sinful and we're wicked, but you are merciful. You've given us what we deserve, but God, now we ask that you would show us mercy. And that's point three. Daniel recognizes that God is a merciful God. And he is, brothers and sisters. And it is good news for us. And it's good news for Daniel. Because we will see next week the, the answer to this prayer, the, the clear and direct response of God to this prayer. And it is merciful. God is gracious toward them. But I want to stop for just a moment because this word... For mercy, the Hebrew word for mercy. This is amazing to me as I studied this this week. So, so the same word, this word can be used in the form of a verb, which is what we see here, right? Have mercy, show mercy. It literally means not giving somebody the punishment that they deserve, right? Showing compassion to somebody, recognizing the place that they are and showing compassion to alleviate their discomfort. Right, that's what we see. He's saying, have mercy. But the exact same word in Hebrew 
when used as a noun, carries a much different meaning. It means the womb of a woman. So if I said, God, show us mercy in Hebrew, then I'm saying, show what we ask for when we ask God for mercy. But if I said, that is her mercy, right, it's not a Hebrew word mercy, but if you use the Hebrew word, then it literally means a woman's womb. It's a noun that means her womb. And so you think that's a big, big difference, right? There's a big difference in a womb and showing somebody compassion. So how do the two relate And I think that for those of us that don't have wombs, that it's harder for us to understand how this relates. But for those of you that are mothers, and for those of us that know the love of a mother, I think we can understand this. The idea, the connection being, what Daniel is really praying here, if you read back through this, he's saying, God, look on our situation. God, look at your city that's called by your name. God, look at your children and look at our pain and look at our discomfort. And God, I I pray that you will look deeply at our distress and you would want to alleviate this distress. You would want to make our pain go away. And every mother, I think, knows this feeling well. Because when your child, your child that is outside of the womb or your child that is inside the womb is in distress... Or in pain, you go for a checkup and and your doctor does a sonogram and tells you, listen, we can tell that that something is not right right now. Your, Your child is not exactly happy. They're not healthy the way they should be. There's some sort of physical anguish or distress. Your prayer and your desire is, God, I want to do anything that I can to make this baby's pain go away. I want to get rid of this discomfort and this distress. I want my baby to be happy and I want my baby to be fine. And Daniel here is praying and saying, God, this is what I want. I want you to look at us and see our pain and say, but I want my children to not have to endure this pain. Even though this is what's right and even though this is what they deserve, God, look at us and desire that we wouldn't have to go through this anymore and take away our pain, take away our punishment. Make things better for us. That's what Daniel's praying and asking here. And I love that beautiful picture. But so the question then is, if Daniel knows that this is what they deserve, and he does, he does, how does he know that? He makes it clear, especially in that middle section, whenever he's saying this is what we deserve, he appeals several times to the law of Moses. He says it in verse 11. He says it in verse 13. He's appealing to the covenant Right, God made a covenant with the people of Israel. And when they call it the Mosaic Covenant or the Law of Moses. And, and in that covenant, this is what God said to them. This is what's expected of you. This is what you're supposed to do. You can read the book of Deuteronomy. The entire book of Deuteronomy lays out like a treaty or a covenant between, pe- between God and His people. And he says, these are the things that are expected of you. And if you don't do them, these are the consequences. This is what's going to happen. And so he knows clearly that that's what's expected. I want to show you just a snippet of it. In, in Deuteronomy 4, you can turn there or you can write that down. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25, says, When you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, he's talking about the promised land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, 
I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither, neither see nor hear nor eat. Nor smell. Now, what does, what does God say here? God says, when you get to the promised land, if you've been there for a little while and you get comfy and cozy and it's been a couple of generations and you forget about me and start worshiping idols, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to get to live in the promised land long because I'm going to strike you out of the land. I'm going to scatter you and you'll be left few in number. Many of you will be killed and you will live in other nations where they worship idols that are not me. And so what happened if we look back at the beginning of Daniel and, and the end of Chronicles, whenever it tells us how they got there, they worshipped idols. And they quit worshipping God and they provoked God to anger. So what did God do? He scattered them among the nations. So if Daniel knows and he's already confessed this is what's right and this is what we deserve, then why would he even pray for mercy? Right? If you tell your child, if you don't clean your room, you will not go out on Friday night. And Friday night gets here. And the room is not clean. And your child comes to you and says, Dad, listen, I know you said that if I don't clean my room, I could not go out on Friday night. And I confess, I did not clean my room. I did not listen to you. I did not care that that's what you told me to do. But it's Friday night and I still want to go out. What are you going to say? No. No. Because that's what's right. So if Daniel says, we have sinned, and you said if we sin, you're going to punish us, and now you're punishing us, then why would he even pray and say, God, but please forgive us? Because the law of Moses is clear of what's expected, and it's clear about the consequences, but it's also clear about something else. Look back at that text, if you're there in Deuteronomy chapter 4. The very next verse, talking about when they're scattered into all these other nations, verse 29 but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you're in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. See, God says one day you're going to mess up. And you're going to be punished. And you're going to be scattered. And when you're scattered, at some point when you're scattered, you're going to stop and you're going to realize what you have done wrong. And you are going to repent. And you're going to seek me with all your heart. And when you seek me, I won't say, no, you've gone too far. No, when you turn back and seek me, you will find me. God is clear about sin and about its consequences, but he's also clear about repentance and mercy. And he says, when you repent... I will be here. I will not have left you. I will have kept my end of the covenant. And I'll just be waiting for you to return to keep your end of the covenant. Why would I give you this second chance or third chance or fourth chance in Israel's case? Because I'm a merciful God. The prayer of Daniel clearly reflects the theology of the Mosaic Covenant. I love that. This whole prayer, just as you read through, it's like you're reading through the book of Deuteronomy in prayer form. We've sinned. We deserve punishment. We desire your mercy. And we'll see that after he prays this, God shows them his mercy. The last thing I want to do, though, is apply this to our lives. Right? I want everyone to leave here and say, man, that prayer of Daniel is beautiful. It is. 
And that, that prayer of Daniel beautifully reflects the theology of the Mosaic Covenant. But here's the thing. You and I don't live under the Mosaic Covenant. It's not the covenant we live under. We are not in the covenant that God made with Israel. That was between God and the nation of Israel, the national people Israel at that time. That was who was in that covenant. Those were the two parties were neither God nor national Israel. So what covenant do we live under? Did you know that we live under a covenant? We do. We usually just simply refer to it as the new covenant. The book of Jeremiah that Daniel had been reading talks about it. Jeremiah 31, 31. But where I want us to see it most clearly is in Jesus' words. Jesus in Matthew 26, 28, this is when he's instituting the Lord's Supper for the first time. This is just before he's arrested to be beaten and killed. said this, he said, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, brothers and sisters, we don't live under the Mosaic covenant, but we do live under a covenant. In the same sense, God has said, This is what I will do. And this is what's expected of you. I will be your God and I will rescue you from your sins. And I will set you free from the power of sin. And I will promise you eternal life. And I will give you my spirit to give you power. And what's expected of us? That we would be his witnesses. That we would make disciples. That we would make him Lord. And that we would follow his teachings. Right? We have entered into covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of us that has faith in Jesus Christ. We're living in covenant with God. And the beautiful thing is that Daniel's prayer reflects the theology of the old covenant. And the old covenant foreshadows the new covenant. Because stop me, don't really stop me, if this sounds not just like Daniel and Israel in Babylon, or not just like Israel back in the days that they'd been in the wilderness, but, but if this sounds like you, I have sinned. And done things that I shouldn't have done. I have known what your word told me to do. And I have done the opposite. I'm a sinful person. I deserve your wrath God. And I deserve your punishment. If you were to banish me to hell forever and ever and ever. That while there in the torment and pain of hell. That is unspeakable. All I could say of you is you are righteous in all the works that you've done. Because you'd be right to send me there. That's what I deserve. But God, I'm asking for your mercy. If you have sinned and you know that you are guilty and that you deserve the wrath of God, but you have experienced God's mercy through faith in Jesus Christ, then brothers and sisters, we have reason to celebrate today. This isn't just Daniel's prayer. This is our prayer God, thank you for not giving us what we deserve. God, thank you for sending Jesus that he took the punishment that we deserve. Your son, you gave him that wrath. You punished him in that way. You gave him all of the pain that I should have had because of my sin. God, you are merciful. You are just and you are righteous, but you are also merciful. How could God look at our sin and not punish us? But listen again to Jesus' words when he is instituting the Lord's Supper. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Brothers and sisters, God can be just and right and not punish us because Jesus has already paid the price for us. Beautiful thing for us to celebrate. But if you're here 
and you can't celebrate that because you've never responded in faith to Jesus Christ, then let me share some very good news with you today. Jesus has already died. Jesus has already paid the penalty for sin. And if you today will respond to him in faith, then he will not say no because you don't deserve my forgiveness. But instead, if you will respond to him in faith, he will show you mercy. He will forgive your sins. He will accept you into his family. He will come to be with you forever. And he will promise you eternal life. The scriptures promise us that if you'll respond to him in faith. If you have questions about that, stick around afterward. I would love to discuss them with you. But if you've experienced that, then today I pray that you would smile and that you would celebrate God's mercy and that this week you would celebrate it by sharing the gospel with other people so that other lost people might come to know this truth and come to experience God's mercy mercy as well. If y'all would, let's finish by praying this morning. Lord, I am so thankful that you did not give us what we deserve. Father, that you gave Jesus what we deserve. Lord, what love. Lord, I'm thankful that this week that our youth will have the opportunity to see uh, in video form, Lord, at least some idea and some semblance of the physical pain that Christ went through. But Lord, we know that we will never understand the spiritual pain. Lord, that 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 deep pain of taking your wrath for our sins. But Lord, I'm thankful that he did it. Lord, I pray that we never forget who we are and what we deserve on our own and that the only reason that we're anything different, the only reason that we're righteous or good in any way is because of what we've gotten from you, that you have made us righteous, that you have removed our sin, that you have given us a new heart that would love you and that would love your law and that would love your ways and that would follow your commands. Lord, thank you for all these things. Father, thank you for showing mercy to your people Israel clearly so that we can see that in Daniel and reflect on how you have also clearly shown us mercy and made us your people as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.